This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. It's another lovely bright April morning and I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours and the fun and games of Ireland's easiest quiz and some great music. As the weather improves, the vaccine rollout intensifies and hopefully reopening dates get ever closer. It's good to see that consumer sentiment is improving with the KBC Monthly Consumer Sentiment Index showing positive changes for the third month in a row. This morning on the bottom line, we'll be talking to Ken Byrne from Red Sky, a Kilkenny-based e-commerce fulfilment company, and finding out about how the last year has been for him and his company. We first spoke to Ken last year as the pandemic broke. He was coping with a huge upsurge in demand for online services and I was doing this programme from the front room at home. We've all come a long way since then. We'll be hearing about the work of security risk advisors. Claire McInerney Brown will be talking to Lara Conroy about the work of this local company in keeping the online scammers and swindlers at bay. And after over a year of remote working and revolutionary changes in work practices, we'll be talking the pros and cons, the risks and opportunities for employers and employees with HR expert Mary Cullen from Insight HR. But first joining me on the line is Eamon Quinn, business editor of the Irish Examiner. Good morning, Eamon. Good morning, John. I hope you're well. Yeah, very well. Thank you uh, very much. Now, um, always good to chat to you about business and a story that hasn't really got huge... um, uh, huge coverage but has massive uh, implications for the Irish economy uh, has got a very much a business hue and it's coming out of that great friend of Ireland Joe Biden but tell us about his uh, global minimum tax rate and, and what that could mean for Ireland Indeed, Uncle Joe Biden are our best friends since probably in the White House since JFK or Bill Clinton supposedly now d- during the week there was his his He's preparing to uh, other ways to pay for his his plan to pump in to, uh, two trillion no less into crumbling U.S. infrastructure, and he needs to pay for this. Now, during the week, we heard about how he he plans to actually um, uh, the, the 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 charge the super rich in in. In, in in the states by uh, raising capital acquisitions tax. Earlier this month is the more compelling story and the, the biggest threat possibly, indeed, that everybody agrees that it is a big deal for Ireland in terms of our 12.5% and how we've anchored our, over many decades, our prosperity here on the 12.5% corporation tax rate and basically the way we um, tax multinationals. Now, his proposal is on the face of it is good news for Ireland, which is to raise American the American rate of um, the to basically reverse what Trump did only three three four years ago, uh, which was uh, to raise not to raise U.S. corporation tax to twenty eight percent from twenty one percent. Now that should be that should be quite good news for here, but the sting in the tail is that his proposal is basically um, to raise the minimum rate 
of tax would apply to all US corporate earnings throughout the world when they bring when they come back to the states to pay the to the US uh, to the US tax authorities uh, US Treasury when they come back to pay the um, to the, their tax bills that they will pay a minimum rate of tax of 21% now everybody agrees the further that gets away or the higher that gets away uh, from the beyond our 12.5% that that basically dilutes the lure or the dilutes the benefit uh, of our successful formula in being able to attract so many US multinationals to our shores over yeah. the last few over the last decades. Yeah and we've been kind of used to getting it in the ear from our European partners where the tax rates are, are much higher in, in Germany I think it's around 20% versus our 12.5% it would be it is indeed but the in german the german one is is complicated because it's a you know federal country but if you add everything together their rate is basically bundles out by 30% now the british is ra- are raising their to next year their corporation tax rate to 26% uh you see the way the era of low corporation tax rates are is a, is effectively over in the big economies there's a big movement to tax multinationals properly we have fought against this for many a long to, a long year trying to manage trying to manage the rate of change within the OECD the, the significance of the Biden tax proposal is it sets a global for the European Commission which has long sought in effect a global minimum tax rate they've now got the basically the EU uh, the big parties like Germany France especially the French who have been long trying to uh, get uh, the Irish uh, rate, um, you know, to, to diffuse it in, 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 and to get a common tax rate across Europe. With Biden now on board, um, there will effectively, there is, there could well be effectively a global minimum tax rate, uh, which would then basically diffuse the benefits of our own percent, which so much prosperity here is based. You just look at the last, the the, the current crisis, um, the way the U.S. multinationals and they they they, they employ, but the multinationals in general, foreign-owned companies, uh, the IDA-supported companies, they employ about say, very roughly two hundred and thirty thousand people uh, in the Republic. About half of those are U.S. Is U.S. multinationals. Another way of looking at the importance, the way our prosperity is so much hooked on, we're so addicted to, to the multinationals, that another way of measuring it is that the fact that you look at our corporation tax during a global pandemic last year, we still raised $11.8 billion from 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 profits tax from a handful of basically what the bulk of that the lion's share of that 11.8 billion uh, would be would have been raised from a handful of US multinationals and you know the pharma giants because of their they were booming in, in exports including including the including the likes of uh, obviously Apple and and Google um, and the the end result of that, all that is that the corporation tax alone, never mind the income tax which they which they provide, but the 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 corporation tax alone accounts for twenty percent, a record twenty percent of the state's tax revenue. 
Uh, and that is this is why this is why people are suddenly paying attention to Uncle Joe's plans, our friend in yeah, the White so, House. So it's um <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about this for years and there's always you know, threats of Im- 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 imminent exactly. demise and so on. Do you think the threat is very real on this occasion? That That's the difference here. The the difference here, there is now the the two big blocks, in other words, the, the, two, the, two, the two big econ- economic blocks, in other words, uh, Europe and wa- the White House, um, after this weird four years gap of under under Trump that's now being um, in effect the reunited common purpose which is to raise a um, corporation tax rate on the multinationals and if they agree to set if they agree to set a quite a fairly high elevated level of corporation tax that eventually diffuses the argument for a U.S. multinational board in deciding, you have to, they still have to be in the European Union, but, um, uh, and these, these huge billion euros, which we have got so used to receiving, you know, billion, sorry, about billion dollar investments from, 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 from the U.S., which we're so used to, get, they, they take a while to get on the ground. And for, for instance, the Intel uh, investment, which is now uh, up in leak slip, which is now ending up in the, the final stages of those factories being built up there, uh, the, you know, the which we heard, we heard about yeah. in the fab, and we heard about because of the, the COVID sickness this week. Now, that decision was taken in a, in a, in a boardroom in the States uh, in 2012. Now, so you, you see that, but, you know, 10 years in this game in terms of state pr- prosperities, 10 years goes back very quickly. So decisions being, making, being taken this year could have this Biden tax plan could influence them of where to play, which European country, uh, the Americans, American company would place their investment. So Ireland's, Ireland's leading card of 12.5% is diffused somewhat, is, is less than devalued because of if there's a global minimum tax rate. In other words, that, that when you go, when a U.S. company has to go, uh, you know, they, they have to pay the difference between the 125 and, say, for sake, the 21%. Yeah. Um, now, we talked about Joe Biden's close links with Ireland, and he makes much of it. Um, this isn't targeted at Ireland, I presume. We're kind of collateral damage in a in a global initiative, or, or is that correct? It is a, to, 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 totally right, as you said. The the big there is a big big movement against the multinationals, as as, as we all know, uh, on the social media side about our data being used. There is, and for a long time, the basically and also. Big U.S. big economies need the money now. It's the second huge crisis the world, has, the, the 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 economic world has gone through in ten years after the last financial crisis. This the 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 COVID crisis. There's huge bills to be paid. Um, the uh, from from Biden's White House, given the the given the uh, political disharmony in. Based on inequality in the states, um, you just look at the uh, challenge uh, of you know anybody who goes to the states. They talk about how 
how rickety their infrastructure is, their bridges. They don't have their their train, their suburban train network is, is atrocious, something of the nineteen seventies. Um, the their uh, their their um, and that's why he's proposing this two trillion dollar investment. That and this is on top of the one point nine the 1.9 trillion reboost to the economy uh, for the COVID to get it out of the COVID crisis, to get the states out of the COVID crisis. So you, this has to be paid for. Mm. And the uh, multinationals are out of favour for a long, long time, for several years. And now you, governments everywhere uh, across Europe are looking, will have to be looking for uh, tax revenues, to raise tax revenues. And the multinationals who have, let's say, people say have got away with it for so, such a long time uh, in terms of their economic power um, and we have built our prosperity basically around around attracting multinationals and allowing them to basically um, basically uh, you know uh, uh, the foundation of this prosperity is as we say in the 11.8 billion in corporation taxes and the, and the amount of jobs we're able to attract. Yeah, well, look, a huge issue, and as you say, unlikely to be settled in the short term, but we'll be following that in the months and years ahead. Eamon, pleasure talking to you as normal, and uh, thanks for bringing that really important issue to our attention. Thanks so much indeed. Okay, good talking to you. That's Eamon Quinn, uh, business editor with the Irish Examiner. KCLR. Proud to be local. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. Uh, this is John Purcell. It's just 20 minutes past nine o'clock and just time to tell you I'm delighted uh, to be asked a couple of weeks ago to be an ambassador for Carlow Chamber of Commerce. Um, and as part of that, uh, I'm hosting a coffee break for Carlow Chamber on this coming Monday at 11 a.m. And I'll be just chatting about business, about this programme and about KCLR and all that kind of stuff. So do drop along if you'd like to join in that. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, thanks to Carlo Chamber uh, for the invitation. You can get more information on that on County Carlo Chamber's website. Now, we've talked many times on the bottom line about fraud and the need for online security and protecting your business's IT and tech infrastructure. Now, Security Risk Advisors is a fast-growing US-headquartered IT tech security company that in 2019, I should say, established its European headquarters in Kilkenny. It's headed by Kilkenny man Lara Conroy, and Claire McInerney Brown recently caught up with Lara to chat about the company, work they do, and to get some tips on protecting your business's IT tech and security needs. Claire started by asking Lar how security risk advisors decided on Kilkenny as a base for its European headquarters. I originally helped uh, set up another uh, cyber security managed service security provider in Kilkenny back in 2014 and uh, while I worked there I had heard um, very positive noises about this company security risk advisors they were considered the uh, ninjas when it came to security testing and they um, when I had an opportunity to join them I jumped at them so they wanted to set up a um, uh, a European headquarters and uh, for them it was very important that uh, they, didn't, they weren't interested in locating in big urban centres but it was important that they be close to um, 
a source of uh, talent for people to come and join our team and uh, I was able to assure them that that would be the case. Um, we did have um, Waterford and Carlow with two institutes of technology supporting Kilkenny and that was very important to them. That's fantastic. So Lara, what type of clients do you work with and what kind of services do you offer to them? So um, our clients would be what they call Fortune 500, so blue chip clients. Uh, they work in a lot of different verticals. Um, pharma, medical records, uh, financial, um, amongst many other different diverse sort of types of industries. Um, the types of services we provide are massive security services. So we provide um, teams to support these uh, large corporate enterprises in uh, protecting their environments. And what are the main security threats that you see on a day-to-day -day basis? Really, um, the way to approach this is to break it down into sort of three different um, constituents. Uh, we have uh, personal users like uh, myself and yourself and people listening to the program. And the second group I would classify would be uh, small to medium businesses. And then the third group would be large corporate enterprises. And um, each of them, they face uh, common threats uh, across the board, but uh, each individual cohort would have their own distinctive risk um, uh, aspects to their business. I think another way to look at it really is to look at what the threats out there are, uh, what the advisor, what those um, those threat actors are. Um, you could start with, say, script kiddies, and these would be amateurs that have access to some pretty powerful tools on the internet, uh, scripts, codes, programs that they run and they can cause mischief with. But the problem with script kiddies, and they're not always kiddies, um, is that uh, they normally get caught and some of them end up in jail. Um, other adversaries would be hacktivists. These would be a bit more sophisticated. They would have um, better capabilities in terms of skills and resources. And their goal really is to um, promote um, raising awareness for certain causes. So they may hack a political website and you know vandalise other websites to to make a point. Uh, we also have. Um, organized crime, uh, the scammers out there, they're the, they're the real scumbags in the piece. They, um, they're very ruthless and they, um, they would uh, steal their blind granny's purse if they could get uh, a chance. Um, and then at the uh, other end of the scale you have advanced persistent threats, so these would be nation state organizations. It would be very highly sophisticated, highly resourced teams that would be linked to governments and parts of the world and it would be their remit to um, be involved in various espionage projects, uh, disruption and uh, basically just to disrupt. So a very sophisticated operation really, Lara. You're catering for the individual right up to the very significant and large corporate, as you say, that, uh, that features on the Fortune 500. Um, could you tell me, during this pandemic, has your business changed in any way? Has there been a different approach to the cyber threats that are out there? Well, um, not really. Um, we haven't really changed how we work, in, except apart from the fact that our team now have to work 100% remotely at the moment. Um, if you want to sort of look at um, a security operation like SRA, it divides basically down into two sides of the house. There is the red team and the blue team. Red team would be the offensive security and um, this team would 
Um, they, they perform assessments, so they would analyse a client environment's uh, security posture, assess their readiness, cybersecurity readiness, and um, perform all sorts of tests uh, like uh, vulnerability scanning. They would look at their policies. They would look at. Uh, they do some of the, the, the penetration testing as well. On the other side of the house, you have the blue team, and they're the defenders. So we're like the people that are on the watchtower. And um, in terms of Kilkenny, Kilkenny would be in that blue team. We're part of a SOC, a security operations centre. And that security operations centre is a distributed SOC. We have three centres. We have our headquarters in Philadelphia. We have um, another SOC in uh, Rochester, upstate New York. And we have our one here in Kilkenny that uh, we set up two years ago. Okay, very, very interesting. So really, Lara, um, if you could give us some tips for the individual uh, listening here at home this morning, um, what would you advise them to do with regards to increasing their uh, security in their everyday lives, you know, the banking online, etc.? Uh, do you have any hints for, for people just on a, an individual basis? Definitely, it's to um, just make yourself aware of the threats. Um, Multi-factor authentication, wherever you can enable it, is really, really good. So that's where if you have an account and you can sort of put in your passcode and then they'll send you an SMS with another code you can put in, that's really strong and that prevents an awful lot of, um, of, of, of the, it reduces the opportunity for people to break into your, your account. Um, just also to be aware of um, your social media, so you have to be mindful of um, an aspect called phishing. Um, what people do is that they will try send you an email or get in touch with you to say that they know you and they want you to click on a link. So don't trust anything uh, really that you sort of get into your inbox or that gets sent to you that you're not expecting. The scammers are very busy at the moment and they've uh, ramped up their business during lockdown and they really are um, a very ruthless bunch of people and they will call you and tell you that you have um, a refund coming. They've got two basic uh, attack vectors. They'll apply to people's greed by saying here's some free money uh, or also what they do is to put an awful lot of pressure on, on you in terms of time or urgency. So they will either you'll get a call or an SMS or an email but more than likely a call these days from a city in another part of the world with somebody telling you that um, because the service has ended you're due a refund and what they'll do is they will they will say we sent you money but we sent you too much money and you have to send us money back and then they'll get your bank details and so on so there's no such thing as a free lunch if you use your common sense the other thing is if somebody is pushing you to make a decision now and that it's really important or you're going to lose something that should be ringing alarm bells for you and you should walk away from it absolutely so such sophisticated operations Laura. Uh, just to conclude I wonder if you could just give me a little bit of insight into the hybrid war that I'm hearing about so this uh, new age war, if you like, that's going to be fought out between, uh, you know, us here on the earth and uh, the the uh, war that's on the internet. Uh, yes, I, I've heard the phrase hybrid war as well, and you know, in in my business we do love our jargon, and it, it does sound very exciting. Uh, basically, what it means is that um, computers and the internet just becomes an extension, uh, another weapon uh, in the arsenal of uh, forces who want to um, force their will on, on on other people in other countries. So let me put it this way, if you're a small country beside a, a bigger neighbour and then all of a sudden your traffic lights stop working and the water stops running and the internet stops and your phone stops and then the television goes off the air, I'd be very worried. Okay, very, very interesting. Well, watch this space. Lara Conroy, thank you for your um, time this morning and uh, 
your company, Security Risk Advisors, based here in Kilkenny. It's a fantastic success story and well done to you for heading it up in its European headquarters. Thank you, Claire. That was Claire McInerney Brown talking to Lara Conroy of Security Risk Advisors uh, in Kilkenny. Now, I was kind of thinking when he was talking about cyber warfare and all that, that maybe somebody's been uh, having a, a, a hack in at us here on the bottom line this morning, given our strategic importance in the global business infrastructure, because uh, our phones have been a bit glitchy. But joining me on the line now is Mary Cullen, who's founder and managing director of Insight HR. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, John. I think we've nailed it now. Yeah, we've, absolutely. We've got the yeah. line going. And it's very quaint the way I'm actually speaking to you on your home telephone line. Gosh, I there's know. a blast from the past. I know, and it's amazing that uh, you know we have thought about giving it up, but for these reasons, I still have it. Yeah. Uh, but it never rings, John. You're probably about the first person in in months. Yeah, me and probably some of those um, hackers and stuff that kind of ring up from uh, far-flung places of the world asking you to <laughs> get into your computer and so on. Everything yeah. is linked. But look, it, it all kind of ties into what we're talking about or what we want to talk about, which is the changing world of work. It, it's been revolutionised over the last 12 months and huge implications for your area of expertise, HR. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's, you know, staggering the level of change in just 12 months um, what would have taken probably months and years of negotiation to happen in, in the world of work has happened overnight um, and now we operate in a very very different world um, which has taken time to adjust to but there's pros and cons to it. Yeah and there are people who've continued to work you know, in different ways where they've always worked, like many of the staff in KCLR uh, work in the building, but it's vastly changed. Many of our staff are working uh, from home. That's typical, but equally, entire businesses have are now operating from bedrooms, kitchen tables and living rooms. Yeah, it, it, it's been amazing. I mean, myself, I operate and have worked for, you know, the guts of the year um, in my uh, kitchen. Um, and, you know, that took some adjusting to. But, you know, there's a lot of benefits for me personally, as there are for other people too, in terms of better quality of life, more balance, more time with my family. Um, you know, that being said... It, I will be one of the people that is keen to get back out into mixing and being in an office environment, but different people feel differently about it. Yeah, um, but there are downsides as well. People welcome the fact that they can take breaks and that there's greater flexibility and maybe people, some people don't like commuting, other people find it a bit of heads. But um, we're in a new world of, of pressure, I suppose, and that has implications for HR. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on on the flip side of that, you know, there are many people suffering and have been suffering over the last year, and certainly we're seeing that in in the world of work. So, you know, things like um, people's mental well-being um, has suffered, and and that is coming into the workplace. So you've got to remember, um, you've got many businesses, you've got your frontline businesses where people are out there and have been working all the way through this and there's a level of pressure and stress for those individuals and the world of work is different because you've got social distancing there. Then you've got people who are working from home, as you say, in their kitchens, their bedrooms, their sitting rooms and um, some like it, some don't. 
some people's domestic situations uh, are very difficult and that is problematic and there is an increase in addictions, um, domestic violence, marital difficulties, that's all creeping into work and then you've got those uh, businesses that have been shut down um, who aren't operating and all their employees are laid off just waiting to come back to work Um, and there's a level of pressure because they want to know when they're coming back every announcement that's made my clients are getting a call from someone to say you know why have you been in touch you know the world is opening back up when am I coming back and they're in financial hardship so you know you you have a really strange mix um, and for lots of businesses they've got all of those things happening Absolutely, and very challenging, uh, and businesses worried about viability as well. Um, After the break, we'll be uh, talking some more about what employers should be doing to navigate these challenging times and uh, to make sure that their teams are kept safe. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast. KCLR. Proud to be local. Indeed, you're listening to The Bottom Line, 22 minutes away from 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you. Speaking to Mary Cullen, who's a founder and managing director of Insight HR. Before the break, Mary, we were talking about all the pressures that are out there and that people are facing. We heard that message from the government uh, during the break that things are, you know, beginning to reopen and so on. Uh, There are issues for employers. What do they need to be looking out for as, you know, people are starting to go, when am I coming back into the office? I don't want to come back into the office and so on. Yeah, I mean, again, vaccinations is probably one of the big topical areas so right now we have a situation where you know the the adult population isn't fully vaccinated um, and does the employer have the right to know when people are or are not if people choose not to be vaccinated does the employer have the right to know that and the simple answer is no Um, a person has the right to bodily integrity and to decide and make their own decision about whether they want to be vaccinated or not. The employer can't impose that. Um, So that means that even when we reopen, we've still got to um, look at social distancing, the hygiene measures like sanitizers and face masks, the work safely protocols, um, ensuring that before people come back to work that they've completed forms uh, confirming that they haven't you know been tested for covid in the last 14 days and so on and so forth so there's a whole um range of things that employers still will need to do even though people are vaccinated um, and that may cause conflict in the workplace because you know an employee will want to know that they're coming back into a safe environment and if the employer can't reassure them that everyone is vaccinated um, that may present a difficulty for them yeah um, and, and perhaps um, that that legislation is from from a different pre-covid time and may be changed but the reality is that's the way it is at the moment what about employees wanting to come back um the employer having misgivings about like well i'm not a hundred percent sure where does the decision lie there and where, where what are the obligations of employers to allow people back even though the employer mightn't feel 
uh, it's better that the person might be better off working from home yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a real mix because some people really do want to come back into work and some people don't. Um, and working remotely has suited them and their lifestyle. So, you know, the employer makes the decision ultimately. But remember, there's now case law where, um, you know, an employer refusing to allow someone to work remotely um, resulted in fines for that particular employer. Um, so you've got to be very careful. You've got to have the conversation with someone uh, to make sure that you know you understand fully why they don't want to come back uh, before you try and impose them coming back. Um, so it, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, every time we've reopened, there have been these issues. Yeah, there's so many scenarios. What about the um, employee who wants to come back and just goes, I don't like working at home? The um, employer says, well, I feel it's um, good for the business and more importantly, it's safer that you actually uh, don't come into the office or into the building and we'll provide for you to work at home. How do you resolve a situation like that? Yeah, well, I think that that's a, a real issue because, you know, you cannot pack in the same number of people into office spaces that you did pre-COVID. Um, and so there's health and safety to consider from an employer perspective. Bottom line, they've got to ensure that they're not putting people at risk um, by having unsafe conditions. So the employer decides ultimately who can and who can't come back into the workplace. Now, when everybody is fully vaccinated, um, that'll be a different issue. You know, are people entitled to come back into the workplace or not? That's not tested yet, John. So, you know, it's something that will develop over time. And that's what we found um, is that over the course of the year, things change so quickly and so fast um, that employers have to really keep up and, and keep on top of what they're meant to do now. And that's challenging. Yeah, yeah it, it's been a very difficult year and, and the environment uh, continues to be difficult and, and uncertainty and uh, risk are, are huge contributors to stress. How should employers be managing the stress issues that their, their employees are facing? Yeah, well, I mean, it comes back down to health and safety. Um, you know, have they risk assessed their workplace to ensure that there's nothing in the workplace that is causing stress or adding to um, something for individuals? So, you know, you've got to think about hours of work. You know, there's a 48-hour maximum working week, and irrespective of where the employees are, whether they're at home, in in an office environment, um, working on the front line, those working hour limits are there. So that's one thing that they need to be really careful about. Um, and I've seen myself, just because I don't have my normal social activities and my hobbies and those kind of things, um, or, or nights out, dinners, any of those kind of things that I usually do, I'm working longer hours um, by choice. But an employer cannot afford to let employees do that. Um, They need to monitor their time and ensure that they're getting adequate rest and relaxation so that they don't become stressed or they don't become mentally unwell because of work. 
Okay, Mary. Well, look, it's a pleasure talking to you as always, and uh, lots of food for thought. Uh, and if people want to check out more, um, you're doing a podcast now with your company, Insight HR, and I do recommend That's right. that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, best of luck with that, Mary. And uh, look, I look forward to chatting to you again on the bottom line. Thank you, John. Okay, that's uh, Mary Cullen, who's founder and managing director of uh, Insight HR, a Kilkenny-based company. Now, uh, this time last year, I distinctly remember talking to our next guest uh, on a very crackly phone line. Um, Phones seem to be the uh, topic of the day, uh, but a lot of water has passed under the bridge and a lot of parcels have been delivered by Ken Byrne and Red Sky. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, John. How are you? Very well, thanks. Uh, just give people an introduction to your business uh, before we talk to you about how the last year has been. Yeah, so um, our business is Red Sky Europe. We're based here in Kilkenny up in Purcell Vinch. Um, and we offer services for um, in e-commerce and online retailers, predominantly around fulfillment, which is the storage um, of inventory pick pack and sending them out to customers and also financial services where we manage that for e-commerce companies around Europe. Yeah and when last we spoke you were coping with an unexpected upsurge in demand as many businesses who e-commerce wasn't really on their radar rushed to adapt to the enforced changes brought about by Covid. Yes, no, exactly, exactly. So um, I, I suppose like many companies, it's 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 not all benefits COVID brought. I don't think it brought it any company, but for us, it did bring um, an influx of people that needed fulfillment with the growth in e-commerce. Um, but on the other side, um, a lot of our target market or one of our target markets would be the United States. So with the limitations on travel, it probably inhibited our company somewhat on that front. Yeah, uh, and you you know the company was established in 2017. How much of a challenge was it dealing with that shock all of a sudden, and um, you know having to keep the show on the road while adapting the same as any business to the COVID challenges? Yeah, well, I, I suppose like many businesses, it was a sharp change. Um, a lot of protocols around um, um, staff and the way the way people walked in the business first with people separate and being very conscious of um, um, protocols around that. Number one, it changed our working environment. We tried a number of things like separate ships and keeping people separated and in work and that one. And that's, that's been very successful. So we've had no no um, uh, cases at all in the business, which allowed us to keep open and keep uh, functioning. Um, but yes, I think like any business, it's, it, it, it's been challenging. Um, I think COVID affected supply chain and logistics and put a lot of pressure on that um, as well for, for companies to, to get products to their customers. And of course, uh, in the midst of all that stuff, we had Brexit as well, which I understand also had a big influence on your business. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back uh, to talk more about that. I'm joined on the line by Ken Byrne from Red Sky, an e-commerce fulfillment and financial services supplier to people operating online. Um, you're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. Coming up at uh, 10 o'clock is Edward Hayden and the Saturday show, and I can already 
RDC texts piling in with questions uh, for Shirley Lanigan uh, because of course with the fantastic weather we're having people are piling into their gardens uh, don't pile into your garden until you've finished uh, listening to the bottom line or perhaps if you are bring your radio with you and you can do it on any sort of a de- device because you want to stay tuned to Edward as well ok we're going to be back after this break The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice, www.onf.ie. KCLR. Proud to be local. KCLR, John Purcell with you on The Bottom Line until 10 o'clock. I'm joined on the line by Ken Byrne, uh, founder of Red Sky Europe, which operates out of Kilkenny. Uh, and provides e-commerce fulfilment uh, services. Um, quite a varied uh, range of work involved in the in the e-commerce fulfilment. Uh, Ken, I was just looking at your website. You store stuff. You can pack, kitting, packaging, all that stuff. Just walk us the different services that you are providing. Yeah. So, so with regards to the fulfilment, as you can imagine, customers comes in come into us with different needs, and we'd have while well, we've a good number of Irish companies, we've also a lot of international companies. So, a lot of it would require maybe us um, uh, putting together packages to create products. Um, they may have crowdfunding is a big one where they they would do a peer to peer type lending program to finance. Um, a project and may come into us with a couple of thousand pre-orders. Um, we've we've just done um, a large product for um, a client, Power Caddy, just prior to all the golf clubs opening, where we took in a lot of their electric golf carts and we had to um, insert lithium batteries into the golf carts and repack them. So we do that as a project to create the finished um, uh, product that we can then send out when orders come in. So we. We, we're from an e-commerce background and kind of understand that no company comes in absolutely ideal, ready to go, and there's other services that yeah. um, that are required. Yeah, so you're very operationally integrated with your clients, but also technologically integrated with them. Tell us a bit about how, how modern technology can allow um, you to operate seamlessly with your clients. Yeah, so once we have their their stock in place with us here, we integrate with all of these selling platforms, different types of websites, Shopify, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, and we also integrate with all the marketplaces, Amazon, eBay, or any marketplaces they would be selling on, and it really means it's fully automated. When a customer places an order on our client's website, it comes into us automatically, and all the information on tracking numbers and everything is fed back up into the website, inventory levels and everything. So... Uh, the tech end is something we're really pushing towards. We have um, a full-time software engineer um, that works with us here in Red Sky, so we've um, a, a lot of technical capabilities. And again, this is to understand the market in the e-commerce. It's it's very well. Ultimately, it is a product going to somebody. It's very very much supported by technology, and you really have to have the capabilities to be able to service that for clients. Yeah. Now, tell us. Uh, I mentioned Brexit before the break. Um, presumably on top of COVID, that disrupted things hugely too. It did. It did in a number of ways. Number one, as I'm sure it's well documented on the news, the supply chain into the UK and probably more so out of the UK was severely impacted. And while I suppose we've had two years to work on Brexit, it was literally overnight it all changed and the infrastructure just wasn't there. I saw DPD 
for a number of months um, stopped taking products or, or packages out of the UK. So we've had a lot of challenging challenges sending products into the UK. And as you can imagine, a lot of our clients, the UK is a big market for them. Um, having said that, we have a, a good few um, new UK companies now that we're um, that have signed up as clients with us because they are now locked out of Europe, and we give them back their access into Europe, which, which uh, I suppose swings and roundabouts with with whether it's good or bad. But I think it's been very challenging and really affected small and medium businesses both around Europe and also in the UK. But I, I think they're working towards some sort of a solution to at least make the supply chain, the logistics end of it a little bit more fluid. Yeah, and notwithstanding all the challenges from COVID, from Brexit and, and uncertainty and so on, things seem to be going pretty well for Red Sky. You're currently engaged in a recruitment drive. We are, yes. Um, so we're looking for a number of positions um, um, for people to join Red Sky in logistics, and um, business development, finance, uh, customer service so all, all aspects of the business we've um, big growth plans for this year and next year and really just looking for really good people to join the team Yeah well it's great to hear that uh, Ken because we chatted this time last year it was all uh, uncertainty then but onwards and upwards and your company's continuing to grow Yes yeah yeah no it's it, it's just uh, I suppose it's back to the people we have with us and that have joined us during, during the year have really driven the business forward and really given 100% and uh, I suppose any, anyone would tell you who runs a company it's, it's all about the people Absolutely, well look, great to talk to you Ken uh, that's Ken Byrne from uh, Red Sky and best of luck to everybody in the Red Sky team Ken Thank you very much Sean Okay, that's uh, all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line, remember if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email The Bottom Line at kclr96fm.com or you can listen back to our podcast. Just search uh, The Bottom Line KCLR wherever you do your podcast listening and we would uh, appreciate if you'd rate our podcast. Don't forget, you can tune in on Monday morning at 11 uh, via Carlo Chamber to listen to me blathering on uh, some more if you haven't had enough or if you can't get enough of the bottom line on uh, your podcast channels and on KCLR. Thank you to all our guests this week. Eamon Quinn, Mary Cullen, Lawrence Kitt, Conroy and Ken Byrne. Thanks also to Claire McInerney Brown for her uh, interview with Lara Conroy. Thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show and thanks most of all to you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday morning just after the 9 o'clock news for more stories far and about business in Carlow and Kilkenny. Until we speak again, keep in touch, keep your distance and keep the faith. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, offering a broad range of business and advisory services to businesses large and small across the southeast.